you're not making drafts better. You're just making wrestling worse. Wait, you're <laughs> telling me you don't oh, like... The other way around. No, you're making drafts worse. How did you not make me not care about it? It's boardrooms of executives. I don't give a fuck if they enjoy their pick. Yeah. Show me the wrestler. Show me show me Undertaker fucking get, like throwing a chair. Show me Triple H spitting water when he gets drafted to, <laughs> to SmackDown. Like, show me something I give a fuck about. Not just yeah. some fucking banner on a screen that says this person got drafted. I don't give a fuck. Why didn't <laughs> they show the wrestlers' reactions? Like the only reaction I cared about in any of those boardrooms was the fucking Fox robot because He's the football robot. The football robot is the best robot. <laughs> it's probably going to be 24-7 champion by the end of the month. So, so welcome to Fight Boys, the show about professional and not-so-professional wrestling. I'm your host, the bad boy of podcasting, Scotty Moore. Your title has been usurped. Congratulations. I'm going to go get me some Joey Janela pimp shades and take this bad boy over. Too bad, because you know what? I'm going to burn it down. Glug, glug, glug. Gasoline, gasoline. Light a fire. I just burnt your whole fucking podcast down, and I'm still a baby face. <laughs> I did enjoy the moment where he looked at the camera like, burn it down. Oh, that does mean I set things on fire, doesn't it? I should set this whole fuck. We can't. We can't. I gotta save it, because it's my heel of the week. So I The only better way, though, I'm gonna say this, is if after he said, burn it down... Is if Randy's hand just came out into the frame and handed him a can of gasoline? No, he hands him like, a flint and steel for fucking I Minecraft. I recommend you use these matches. They strike well. They last a long time. Uh, be sure you get an even spread of the gasoline along the floor. That way you prevent. That way you prevent the fire from snuffing itself yeah. out. He's like giving. He's like writing down notes on like a sticky, sticky yeah. pad. Just hands it to him. It's like this is how I did it. Don't worry. Man, Bray Wyatt must be must have like his his freaking renters insurance must be through the roof. Yeah, at this point, <laughs> after all this, like, you gotta think Bray afterwards was like fucking again. Come on, again, guys. It's like you did it. Oh, you ruined everything. You ruined it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was reading that it was because they that Fox didn't want Firefly Funhouse segments. What? I think that was even something that Meltzer said in the last um, Observer. I just thought this meant that Firefly Funhouse was now going to be, like, in a creepy... Like, the same exact set, but now it's all burnt and fucking scary and terrifying looking. Like, the puppets are all melted and, like, so, crying so, out so, in pain. So, so you remember that bit where I really hope that, that the shows being on Fox would take care of the quality. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I that was, was wrong. that one was like my bad. I'm that. sorry, y'all. That was on I'm me. Sorry. Shit mm-hmm. somehow got worse. We went to Fox. There was that whole both titles incident. Like, the whole time I was like, man, I like, this is, this is a fresh start for you guys. Yeah. And then, like, it's like if you went to a party and the first thing you did was shit your pants in front That's of it. everybody. <laughs> 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 
and then you if you shit your pants in front of everyone and then you and then you like immediately invited a like middle eastern dictator which is essentially what the devil of wwe has done yeah yep that's it so Um, can uh, we use this to segue into the biggest thing that was promised to fox that they felt okay this is what fox says on the official statement for Eric Bischoff's departure from the WWE. Son of a bitch. (laughs) He's just no longer with the company anymore. After, as Dylan said earlier, don't know if we were recording, he sold his ranch and moved to Connecticut. (laughs) Recording. Oh, well, we'll have to use half and half. Significant (laughs) promises were made that we don't feel were upheld. And that was Fox's whole deal on it. Okay, (laughs) that was it. That was the whole thing. So, um, as a, and as a matter of fact, I think that Meltzer said that uh, Fox wanted Heyman. Yeah, everyone wanted Heyman. It's SmackDown, uh, as I, I kept up during the draft, rating each draft pick, and I basically rated if you were good, you got a point. If they sucked, you lost a point, and if they were neutral, you got zero. By the end of it, SmackDown easily was crushing fucking Raw in how much of a better show it's going to be. Just imagine if you had Paul Heyman running all of that, but nope, now you've got Pritchard, which I don't... I don't hate that. I don't hate that. That's weird. You're like literally the only person that thinks that about SmackDown. Wait, that it's I mean, granted, they got they got Alexis and Nikki Cross today because they realized, I assume, that they had no women's division yeah. at all. Okay, on wait, Smackdown. can we just really quickly talk about that? Because the whole big deal of the draft was Unless Fox or USA decide to split up a tag team, all tag teams will be considered one pick. And then Fox's dumbasses were like, we want Alexa. And we want Nikki. That's two picks, right? And I fucking, I guess on the other side of the table, the USA Network was like, fuck, yeah, sure. That's that's totally right. It's like, you don't watch the product at all, do you? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> no. USA Network was then, um, and we'd like all three members of the OC. That's one pick, though. And Fox is like the new kid at the Magic the Gathering, <laughs> like, just trying to figure out how to play the game, and he's just constantly getting hustled out of shit. Beep boop. I am Cletus. They did get the they did get the new day though, didn't they? That was all one pick. Well, that was after they figured out the, the fucking rules. And right, right, right. But like, I'm saying it all evened out. So like, Raw got one three person. SmackDown got one three person. I also find it weird that each show is on a different network. Yeah, which I'm not like entirely comfortable with. But I guess that's how it used to be, where like Raw was on Spike and SmackDown was on freaking UPN back in the day. God, that was a time. Aged myself. Ri- Rage, aged myself real well with that statement. <laughs> or the last time uh, that um, it was, fu- or even the last time SmackDown was taped, it was on fucking sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Blake, I've got a question specifically for you. Because oh, God. I, I, as a fellow theater major, I want... Mm-hmm. He wants you to rate his eyeliner. <laughs> rate my eyeliner. No, I want you to imagine you've been cast in a role, and that role demands that you make out with a very attractive woman who's also in a relationship with a very good man. Would you be very peaceful and respectful towards the relationship? Or would you in an interview publicly say, 
damn, that girl's smoking. And you know what? They didn't want me to, but I grabbed her leg. <laughs> I grabbed the leg, baby. Okay, so I will come out and say that I've been in a similar situation before in a show where I did have to heavily make out with a woman who was married in real life. Yes. And I did not grab the leg. You didn't grab the leg. Did you publicly... Until I was given permission to grab the leg. Did you publicly, after, after the show, come out and be like, That girl's smoking hot! Fuck yeah! And, like, run up to her husband and be like, I fucking kissed your hot wife, dude! No... And this no. is oddly enough. No. <laughs> because her, her husband is a very buff Samoan man. <laughs> so it would have been like wrestling. Yes, this is actually quite appropriate because in this case it was a very buff Bulgarian man. But Hey, he's an American now. Yes, I'm sorry, a, a, a Bulgarian. Well, technically, I guess the Samoan would have been American as well. So, but Yes, he is. Holy shit. I just read Lashley talks about cucking angles in WWE, and I went, oh, this should be interesting. And then it's nothing but him talking about how hot Lana is and how he's the luckiest man in the company. Speaking of cucking angles, it is the So, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, real quick. So, like, I I fucking hate that I'm I'm doing this. So, technically... The thing on Raw isn't a cucking angle. It's just a very, very way too detailed cheating angle. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> Rusev is not a willing participant in this at all. Yes. Like, he's not sitting around like, oh, I guess this is how it is. He's actively angry. He just doesn't know where the fuck they are. I really... Like, I like w- <laughs> he beat the shit out of Baron Corbin and Randy Orton at the same fucking time with his amount of, like, indignant rage. Michael Kanellis got beat up by fucking Rockstar Spud. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to hear shit about these being on the same I level. I really, I really want, I know Raw doesn't have episode titles, but I would tune in if there was an episode titled Rusev Bought a Shotgun, because I just <laughs> watched that episode. <laughs> I'd call this... Nanarusev. <laughs> it's been a month. Like, is there a payoff for this at all? Or am I um, just going to have to continue to be uncomfortable week by week? Like, the fucking originator of the cucking angle, Mike Kanellis, has asked for his release from WWE. That's your payoff. I'm sorry. No, no, I no. Just... <laughs> I meant for the, I meant for the, the, the Rusev Lana. Am I just going to have to watch increasingly, like, more softcore porn? Yeah. Like, uh, no, I meant what I said. Mike asking for his release is your payoff. Yeah. No, dude. I need to see Rusev. I need to see Rusev Machka kick Bobby Lashley off a stage and then slap divorce papers in Lana's face. No, I can't wait for one day. Aiden, Aiden English just sends out a tweet and it says, Rusev told me not to come into work today. I don't know what this is all about, but you oh, guys may want to keep tabs on him. It's, it's, so like, it's, uh, no, it's terrible. The two of them are going to come in together. Yeah. <laughs> Mike and, Mike and Rusev, they're just going to be like, it's, fine. we're just going to have to kill everybody. I'm going to have to take them all out. Hey, Let's don't. get our trench coats. Jesus fucking Christ, y'all. I, listen, I debated that last bit, but it's been 20 years. <laughs> 
so before before we give Dylan his de- his time to talk about New Japan, I would like to say, have either of you watched any clips from NWA's live show yet? You mean Power with Two R's? Power with Two R's. It. I've heard. I've heard really good things. I've heard it's like really relatable, and it's like a small crowd, and like apparently Colt Cabana's getting over, yeah. and like all this shit. Yeah, we were reading the um, the post show thread on Reddit right before when we were waiting for you to come in. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. sounded really good. Well, mm-hmm. I I like it, but it uh, the set is very dated, which I know was their choice to make it look like. Yeah, no, they went with the original NW, like the freaking eighties one. Oh yeah, like they they were like. This is the set. This is the set like set up that freaking Ricky Steamboat and like Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen and like everybody, Rick Rude. Like they were all here, bro. Yeah. Well, the problem with what's Rick Rude interviewing? I don't. I'm not sure. Well, the problem with the studio setup is the fact that it's such a small crowd and it's such a small room that assholes like me who scream out random sentences to just get a pop for a few of the people around me instead carries throughout the entire fucking studio. So I watched the... Great. I hope that discourages you from being the asshole you are. No, like, I was watching a clip and uh, Damien Sandow, it's Aaron something, Aaron Stevens maybe, he came out... Oh, shit, I forgot he's there. Yeah, he came out for a promo, and it would just be, like, the crowd, like, ranting and raving, and every once in a while, one dude would be like, what's up, man? (laughs) That would be it. Just a random idiot (laughs) screaming, and you'd think it discouraged him, but no. Like, a few seconds later, one would be like, you're welcome! (laughs) I would like to call that the full sale effect. Yes! So, question. Uh... A, how much are tickets? And uh, B, when are we planning a family outing? (laughs) (laughs) I would absolutely. In fact, I believe in the show notes, I put NWA Power is buck wild, and then right underneath it, I kind of want to go to a taping of it, just because I want to experience that. I do, too. We we all have to cheer in very southern accents. That's you got to get that authentic 80s feel to the NWA. (laughs) You're from, like, Indiana. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking So, um, I don't think you know how much Kentucky bleeds along that river. <laughs> <laughs> that river is actually just whiskey now. <laughs> so, did anyone else know the Painmaker was a thing? Because I thought it was just a Jericho nickname. I didn't... No, 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 no. It, it was like a legit persona he used in New Japan for his IWGP heavyweight title match. Yeah, and I thought it was just, like, his nickname. Like, he was like, well, I, I'm fighting the Rainmaker, so I must be the Painmaker now. But no, apparently it's this full-on Finn Balor fucking transformation where he goes all clockwork orange. Yep. I still do think that's something that Jericho does, though, because, like, like with his first match, when he was going up against Kenny, he was like, the Alpha versus the Omega. Yeah. <laughs> then he did it for whenever he faced Naito, and, like, he just, I forget what his shirt was. Oh, uh, I'm not Tranquillo, I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, now he's fighting Darby Allen, so this week he's like, you're like Tony Ark, I'm Ben Margera. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Darby Allen popping down the ring in, on his skateboard, doing an ollie into Chris Jericho is probably one of my favorite things that I've seen in a long time. It was very. I like like they like there was video on being the elite of him him like hitting like hitting it from the start, and I was like, 
On the one hand, that could have gone terribly wrong. On the second hand, good on him for having that suit of skills. And on, like, another mutant hand that's off to the side, I, I was like, if only he had hit a full crossbody. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I'd only, just after that um, clip was released and after that main event, like, that's when I really started to learn about all the shit that Darby Allen's been through. I'm like... I get why you almost kill yourself all the time. Yeah. I get Because he that. has to. He's going to have, like, a Jimmy Havoc-esque. Because, like, before Jimmy Havoc went, like, all f- fuck progress, he had, like, a really good technical match with Zack Sabre Jr. that uh, Nigel McGuinness refereed. And afterwards, Nigel was like, you could do non-death matches. And I want Darby Allen to just have that one, like, like straight-up match where he doesn't pull any of that. He just does, like full-on British technical tech wrestling and, like, catches catch can and just beats somebody like that and then just runs out of the way. He was like, yeah, you didn't see that coming, did you? And he just runs off. Yeah. And the weirdest thing is it'll be against John Moxley. <laughs> that would be the ultimate one because they've done the other match. I want to see that match. So speaking of Moxley, though, it, does New Japan have a history of taking a title off a guy if he has can't defend it because of a massive storm? Yes. They do. They have multiple instances, actually, of the course of the history of the company. Oh, my God. Due to okay. injury, travel. Togi Makabe had the fucking flu. They stripped it that off of him. He won it back later. Yeah. Yeah. On the one hand, I appreciate their commitment to kayfabe. Yeah. On the other hand, there was a fucking typhoon. There wasn't a real whole lot Moxley could have done about that. Yeah. yeah. The, the pictures from the, uh, the New Japan Dojo were terrifying. Water was literally up to the second floor, and they all had to be like, "Well, shit, is this how we die?" <laughs> I was really, expe- I was really expecting to take like a brain buster to the cement, and that one just put me out. But this is really disappointing. Yeah. I mean, for real though, like it was stuff that I was a lot younger, but I remember hearing stories about Katrina when it hit New Orleans, and I was like, "That's what was happening." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, Zack Saber Jr. wasn't able to show up either. Uh, but he didn't have a title match, so... Okay. But, yeah. Did, uh, this, was the this... Juice and Lance Archer match good? Because I, I saw the uh, aftermatch th- promo, and that was amazing, because that was, the mo- that was the moment Juice in my head went from, oh, a fun, funny mid-carder, to, oh, shit, he's actually got depth. Because the minute he came out and was just like tears like i could have beat fucking john moxley i could have i you may not believe it and no one else may believe it but i could have and i was like i feel everything for this guy right now i mean i wouldn't doubt that he could move up to like intercontinental at this point like with with that shit but do you know who he couldn't beat lance (laughs) archer By the way, I just love how before, because he hit his freaking, like, his uh, first finisher, uh, Blackout, onto, like, some chairs that were in the middle of the ring. So he just swung Juice over onto those. And he took the time to yell, everybody dies to the crowd before he did it. (laughs) And I appreciate that showmanship. Yeah. See, the minute I heard Juice was in a U.S. title match, I just automatically assumed he was going to win at that point. I was, Oh, no. When they announced Archer, I was like, oh, shit, he's not going to win. Because yeah. Archer had such a great G1 that I was like, they're finally going to pull the trigger on him as a singles champion. Yeah. And I have no idea who can possibly take it off of him at this point. It'd have to be at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> I just got caught up reading spoilers for another... Um... 
great wrestling show that may happen in the next 30 minutes, so... <laughs> Wait, okay. Uh, no, because I, 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 I haven't gotten a chance to read the JWF script until now, and it's... Oh. Fucking good. Oh yeah, <laughs> little teaser for JWF wrestling after <laughs> coming up later tonight. So, uh, if you'll if you'll indulge me, uh, wait, hold on, I'm I mean, pulling up my New Japan chair. I'm coming down here. Go on. <laughs> wow. All right. I I can't even say I'm I'm upset. Uh, so okay. So. So King of Pro Wrestling, which was a show that had that U.S. title match, actually had four really impressive matches, which I haven't gotten to watch in full, but I've seen, like, you know, like, probably combined, like, 20 minutes of those matches. Uh, the first really good one was Will Ospreay versus El Fantasmo, which, like, everything I've seen about it, like, freaking like, eight minutes of that match, give or take, like, throughout it is the most insane junior match I think I've seen in, like, years. Like, if Will Ospreay isn't at least, like, second in the voting for Wrestler of the Year, then I have no idea, like, what's going on in the world anymore. Also, I feel like he's gonna die any minute, because there's no way you can keep up this work rate and not fucking, like, just have your heart give out. Uh, also, also, it was a really good match for El Fantasma. I actually thought El Fantasma was going to go over. They were just going to make him British and uh, junior heavyweight champion since he had just won the Super J Cup. But no, they wanted to keep Osprey strong. And I guess if Hiromu comes back, Hiromu beats him at Wrestle Kingdom. That's the only only real like him taking somebody taking the belt off Osprey at this point. Um, Suzuki versus freaking um, Liger. Somebody pointed out afterwards, it actually had a ton of uh, actually story elements below it, uh, which was really interesting and showed, like, if you were paying attention, New Japan has a lot of depth. So we talked about Kishin Liger showing up and all of that. And somebody pointed out that Suzuki in his promo afterwards was laughing because he felt he had got one over on Liger, who is like this baby face of the company, by making him, you know, do the old Kane to John Cena embrace the hate a uh, bit for it. Uh, so, like, instead, Liger came out not in his, like, normal outfit, but he has, like, this mask he does for commentary. He came out with that no-fucking-jumpsuit on, just, like, but barrel-chested. By the way, Jushin Thunder Liger, like, 50-something, is in better shape than all three of us combined, <laughs> and it's depressing as fuck. I'm amazed, especially <laughs> with how long he's been wrestling. Like, yeah. holy yeah. shit. No. No, looked great. Wrestled, wrestled this great match, and I mean Suzuki, Suzuki won. But Suzuki, who was so impressed at like the heart and like the humanity of Jushin Liger, actually did like full on bow to him after the match. Granted, he kicked the shit out of two young lions <laughs> uh, before he did it. That's what they're there for, though. Yeah, almost like a sacrificial offering. But like you know, Liger appreciated it too. Liger thanked him for that match for that moment. Uh, saying that he would probably he was going to try to get his revenge before he retired, but like that was really cool. Uh, and then the main event, freaking um, Lol Okada wins because. By the way, I did the math on on his raids, assuming that like he's going to hold it till the first day of Wrestle Kingdom, which he will, um, or the second day, he will have held the title for eighteen hundred days over five raids. Fuck, which means. That he has held the held the title for an average of 360 days per title reign. 
Every one of his reigns lasts for almost a goddamn year. <laughs> and you want to know the difference? I'm never, ever upset about when he holds the title. There's never a moment where I was like, God, he's just been holding this forever. Because he is exactly what a champion should be. He just accumulates so much momentum that whoever beats him gains that momentum. Like, legitimately gets the rub that everybody talks about in in pro wrestling. There's like half beats- a dozen New Japan stars that are stars because they beat Okada, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, the matches make people. Like, Sonata, despite the fact that he's, like, fucking one and seven against Okada, and, like, actually broke down crying after this one, because, like, how many times can you get your shit kicked by the same guy before you start crying? <laughs> it was seven times. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good moment. Um, because they're such great, they put on such great chain sequences. But, yeah, he, he beats so many good people. And like puts on such great performances that like you're not you're not upset at all about how long it was. Like when Brock held the title for fucking ever, we were like, God, I hope some I hope something happens. But he was defending it just as many times as Okada. But the difference was match quality. It was opponent. It was like build up to that because Okada was still showing up before that in like tag matches. So you got like a, an in ring story. Yeah. So when when Naito officially does beat him at, <laughs> on January fifth. I'm going to be so goddamn happy because it'll mean literally it'll mean everything after Okada's held this belt from what's fucking April to January, like seven, eight months, nine months. Yeah. Like, oh, it's going to be it's going to be so good. I forgot that, was that my... he was holding the title for that long. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He beat he beat Jay at the freaking Madison Square Garden death of uh, Ring of Honor show. <laughs> and he's he's held it ever since. Um, um, speaking of sidebar here, going back to Suzuki, I knew that Jushin Liger was, uh, 50 something years old. I didn't know that Suzuki was 51. Holy shit. Yup. Yeah, dude. He, he was in freaking MMA back in the early nineties. Looked good too. Very like young, sexy Suzuki is a thing. He's apparently leaving the company too. Cause he's unhappy with his, his positioning, which is sad, but I assume Lance Archer is going to take over the faction or the factional disband and they'll all do their own thing because Suzuki Goon at this point is the second longest running faction in New Japan uh, behind Chaos and Chaos really isn't even a fucking faction at this point it's like a bunch of dudes that are just kind of under the same banner but like nobody runs out from Chaos to like back somebody up at least the heel factions are always there for each other <laughs> at least they're friends at least they try I like, love Jesus how many factions there are in New Japan oh There's yeah five there's five full ones, two of which are intermingling because Chaos and, like, the New Japan, like, face, like, intermingle now because uh, Chaos lost enough people that they were like, shit, we don't have enough people to fill these matches. Yeah. And so they had to integrate. So Chaos is only, like, partially a thing. And then there's Suzuki Goon, who's, like, probably disbanding within this year. That's been around since 2011. Uh, there's Bullet Club, who's probably the most, like, cohesive in terms of interfering and, like, and actually no Suzuki gun is. Because who, no, who, who knows how the fuck long Bullet Club's gonna last? Yeah. People thought it's been, it's been dead, like, people have thought that Bullet Club has died as many times as TNA did. Bullet Club yeah. is fine. Bullet Club is forever. It's forever. <laughs> it's for life. So, okay, those three, L-I-J. What's the fifth one? I can't think of the fifth one. 
that was it. It was the Faces, Chaos, Suzuki oh, Goon, Faces, yeah, Lij, and the Bullet Club. Those are the those are the five the five factions. And Lij is the smallest, but arguably like the most accomplished because nobody, no, yeah, nobody in that group hasn't held gold out of the six of them. Bushi's held multiple titles in that. I need you to consider that. Bushi is, by the way, Bushi's a former IWGP junior champion. Nobody remembers that because he always eats pins and that, but like he's in the lineage of that title. Yeah. Which, which is, which has been held by like dozens of legendary people. And they were like, hey, we'll give it to the, we'll give it to the, the mask guy that's got Japan on his lucha mask. Yeah, that's fine. You know what? Bushi deserves one. Give it to Bushi. And you know who else deserves our love? Not Gazi. Not Gazi, but the rest of our patrons at patreon.com slash a load of BS. That's the website where you can support the fight boys. So you can become an honorary fight boy. And I'll, we'll be honest, we'll probably put you in JXT. You will become a wrestler for us. Matter of fact, just go on and do it because we need more. We do need more. Last week, I counted the number of wrestlers we have between JWF and JXT, and it barely matches the AEW roster, which is still growing. So yeah, we need wrestlers, and you can become one at patreon.com slash a load of BS. You also get access to our Discord. You get shouted out on the show of your choice every single week like that son of a bitch, Gazi. And Blake, what's the what's the last thing they get? What's the last bad thing we give them? Oh, you mean if they're patrons? If they if they subscribe to us? You mean the special thing that you and me do every month called you paid for this? What? Where for most of the time Scotty and I we just watch a movie and riff track over it and then you get to just get that audio to watch along with the movie like you have friends. Yes. Pretend we're your friends hanging out, but this month we did something completely different, because usually we watch bad movies, and this month we accidentally watched a good one. Yep. I'm not going to say that we watched a good movie. I'm going to say that we watched a movie that we really like. <laughs> and it's Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween. If you're just here for the wrestling, though, earlier this year, um, the three of us did uh, Ready to Rumble, and oh, you paid for this. It's so, I was so drunk. <laughs> so drunk and had a lot of Taco Bell after that. But yeah, if you want it, you also get all the older episodes at patreon.com slash a load of BS. Now... Dylan, who are we tweeting at, buddy? Should we talk to Chris Jericho about the fact that he's apparently playing a clan leader in Jay and Silent Bob reboot? Uh, no, no, you should tweet at Juice and tell him how much you appreciate the depth of his character, because he seems like he needs a hug right now. Hey, at Juice, I feel like that's, in, like, counteractive of being like, I enjoy how you faked that emotion. I'm giving you this so your emotion gives away. I mean, it might it might have been real emotions. Yeah, you never know. Also, David Finley showed up and lost like thirty pounds of of David Finley, and he looks decent now. I thought Instead it was Mark like Haskins. A- I'm not fucking lying. The whole time I was like, I didn't know Mark was gone. <laughs> so here's the, here's the thing. I just need Chase Owens to do the same thing. Yeah, I um. I cannot find Juice Robinson's Twitter account, so do you have a secondary option for me? Sure. Tweet tweet Jericho about being a clan leader. I'm sure he'll... (laughs) 
because you're just like fuck it go with the first one well while i do while i talk to our good buddy jericho about being a actually no i'm gonna rephrase it hey jericho let us on the boat um <laughs> just let us on the boat chris we won't tell anybody about your clan time anyone about the clan stuff uh what'd you want us to talk about i was gonna say can we talk about the fact that this is about to become the deciding week for who wins the aew prediction series for the tag team tournament and it all comes down to our boy chuck fucking taylor oh you mean the guy that y'all had a fucking fight over earlier today (laughs) that was that was yesterday thank you very much yeah fuck you blake (laughs) Yeah, fuck you, Blake. Get your days straight. You know what? Eat a dick, both of you. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I know, I understand where Dylan is coming from, where he says that SEU doesn't need the win, and he's right. It's, it's, it's literally, it's literally bad influence. It's, it's not Scorpio. It's Kaz and Daniels. That's even worse. That's an average age of 45 in that tag team. 46. (laughs) That's the average age of the... Yeah, we need these young upstarts to fucking... No! But then they're gonna... Best friends are just gonna get beat by the Dark Order again. And I don't want to see that again. So is SCU! SCU's just gonna get beat by the Dark Order because they lost the fucking eight-man tonight. Yeah, they did. Oh, SCU! No, it's gonna be bad. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be. Actually, no. My favorite was when I was thinking about it, and I was just like, no, because then they'd face the Dark Order, and then the only logical thing would be them for them to beat the Dark Order because that's how wrestling works, and then they would be in the finals, and then the best friends could possibly win the titles, and oh no, I think I want this to happen. That's where my mind went. So, so here's the thing. One of these tag teams has been feuding with the Dark Order for months. The other one hasn't. So tell me which one you think is going to face them in this tournament. <laughs> so what I'm thinking is we've got three paths that this could go down. One, the path that Scotty and I have chose. Two, the path that Dylan has chose. Three, shit's going to get fucked up and none of us are going to win. And the best friends win this fucking tag championship. Jurassic Express wins, and we're all just like, I'm not even mad, I'm just impressed. I wouldn't be at that point. I fucking love those guys. I want to see Chuck Taylor hit Pentagon Jr. with Soul Food and pin him to win the fucking AEW Tag Team Championships. And you know what? That would be something we haven't seen yet. Yeah. By the way, they're... Their segment in Being the Elite was amazing. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Well, let's get into heels and baby faces because my baby face of the week is the entire episode of BTE this week because I am so mad I was not on Twitter when they announced that they were doing this week's BTE mailbag because you know I would have just sent a lot of shit to Chuck about why he's not following us on Twitter. And you know, not Chuck, but Trent would have been the one to be like, just do it, man. Just fucking follow him. It's fine. If Trent is the person that would have like led to Chuck Taylor following us, I think that would have been the end of the world. Yeah, I think... I like Orange Cassie, where he would give you the one hand and it's like, uh, he asks, um, do you? Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. It was so, it was so good. There were like 18 takes all together, 
And like, that was just, uh, it was so good. My favorite was Chuck obsessing over the fact that fucking, Nick is not gonna edit this in. You fucking buried him in the entire opening of this. They have the final say. He, he edits this. This is their show. <laughs> Honorable mention to Orange Cassidy, though, because every time he does something good, like, the internet, especially Reddit, explodes with it, and I love it. Yeah, um, that was a great segment, and we already talked about it, but the lengthy fucking segment where Cody is just trying to figure out how to tie a tie on Matt Jackson is the best shit on the planet. As he just No, no, the, first- best, the best shit is, is when he knocks, and they're like, why are you knocking on a wall? He's like, I'm back. It's Britney, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> It's Britney. I forget how fucking hilarious Cody Rhodes is, but my god, and like he's sitting there and he's like, "I might, I might actually do it. I'm tying the tie. I'm nope. I messed it up." And then he just starts corpsing as he's like, he's- "I have fucked this up. This whole segment's gonna go bad." I like it's so amazing, especially because Cody is such a straight man until he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Which is because he of the of the four executive vice presidents of this company, Cody is the one I want to hang out with the most. I'll say that. No, right. Cody is the Cody is the most professional. Like when he does something, also because he's the only one that wears a fucking suit. Yeah, um, he's the only one that dresses like an executive. Nick, Nick and Mac Jackson dress like fucking Facebook executives. <laughs> I mean, they did that photo shoot where all three of them were in suits, and my favorite moment of that was everyone on Twitter at once being like, can someone get any of them a tailor? Like, just one fucking tailor. Because I think it was Matt looked like he was in his, like, dad's suit. It was so oversized. And then Nick is wearing, like, old Nikes under his suit. And all of Twitter was like, what the fuck is wrong with the elite? Kenny looks fine. I would like to point out Kenny looked fine. <laughs> yeah. Kenny used a Bushy's tailor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've encapsulated so much of the energy that I felt like going to a bunch of my friends' weddings this year. Yeah. Because, like, I've been in the groomsmen for all of them, and every time we've just gotten a fucking suit that's just been massively oversized, and shoes apparently were optional. <laughs> yeah. Also, I will say my secondary babyface goes to Bailey for finally completing her heel turn and becoming the ultimate badass. So she's your babyface for being a heel. She's my babyface for taking what appeared to be a stick with some razor blades on it and just assaulting wacky waving inflatable arm two men and not stopping until each one was dead. She was she was like, I could stop now. Nope. Fuck you. I like her new haircut. That also looks good. Her haircut is definitely on point. Like, it fits her really well. Yeah. And I did see someone Photoshop Darth Vader's face on top of her haircut, and it worked. It was was (laughs) Becky. Becky did that. Yeah. (laughs) Becky! Um, Also, going back to Bailey really quick, I'm just... I think it's real good. Just her whole kind of arc right now. Yeah. It's really good. Like, I'm happy they gave her the title. Because it wasn't them being like, she turned heel for no reason. It's them saying, no, she turned heel because she needed to. Because she had to embrace the hate. My favorite thing about that was, um, someone posted a video of their... This child could not have been more than five or six years old. And, like, 
they've zoomed in on the moment where Bailey was just destroying the two men, <laughs> and you heard this really sad crying in the background. It's like, <laughs> and they zoomed in on the kid's face. No, sweet child. On the one hand, on the one hand, that's great. On the other hand, that is such a shitty parent. <laughs> it is a very shitty parent, but it gave me a great moment on uh, Twitter. So, uh, would you like to talk about your baby face, Blake? Blake's like, my baby face is that parent that showed that horrifying thing to his child. That's fair. We can move on to my baby face. <laughs> no, my baby, my baby face at all of that would actually be the child, and my heel would be the dad. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but my baby face actually is um, AEW uh, posted their entire roster, and now they've complemented it with updating wins and loss records. Yeah, I love so that. So they've got they're the sticking. They're sticking to this wins and losses matter. Mm-hmm. So like they're they're they've got it where everyone can see it. And one of my favorite things, I was scrolling through all of them. It's like, oh yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know they had that many wins. Oh. Oh, Dustin. (laughs) Dustin, you're zero and three. Dustin was bad. Shima was also bad. Shima is, I believe, one and four. And I was like, wait, how the fuck? I don't even remember seeing Shima that much. But baby, do you know who is one and oh? Michael. Naka. Naka. Naka Zawa. I can't wait for his debut. Like, like, like actually on TV. I hope it's tomorrow. Yeah. I hope he shows up and just gets wrecked by someone. I love him so much. He comes out in the pain maker makeup and he's just like, I am the pain maker, Chris Jericho. He told me to do this. <laughs> no, no, no. That's one thing to have a demon transformation and it be the same guy. I want it to be a completely different person who walks out to the ring. <laughs> and I also just like, their commitment to this has just made it feel so real to me, which is something I don't feel in wrestling a lot. Yeah. Do you think they're going to have like an end of season, like once a year to wipe the slates clean? Because otherwise, in like five years, those are going to be some buck wild win loss records. I think that actually Meltzer has said something on that on one of the Observer episodes I was listening to. Or maybe it was even Cody announcing it. Yeah. It, it, it'll probably be at, like, double or nothing every year or something, like, around that season. Or it might be year-end. Who knows? I like this as a concept because I love this idea of, like, the last two months. A guy could have a terrible win-loss record, realize how shitty his win-loss record is, and just go on a rampage because none of it matters anymore. And he just starts beating the shit out of people. Actually, you know what? I love the idea of Double or Nothing being kind of the time that it was and All In was, because that's just a little bit of extra. If you remember the episode that the Young Bucks and Cody did with Jericho, a little extra just fuck you to the time of the year that Vince McMahon thinks that nothing will draw. Yeah. Uh, So, Dylan... I feel like we're gonna jump on you a lot because all of us, I think, agree this is the true baby face of the week. But uh, would you like to begin? Okay, so AEW Dark. Um, I, I said this earlier. To, I think to Blake before before we started recording is the first time in years, like literally years, that I have stopped doing everything to watch wrestling. Yeah. Like it's been it's been forever. It's been like what since punk was still around. 
was the last time I was like, hold on, hold up. I need to, I need to drop everything and, and watch this segment. I did that for the, in, I'm sorry, not the entire episode. I skipped the, I skipped the triple threat because I don't care about Peter Avalon or Kip Sabian. And like, that was two thirds of the match. Yeah. Like freaking, so I couldn't save that. I'm sorry. Uh, but like the eight man, are you kidding? Jack Evans and Angelica, who's name, who's tag team name is dog shit but like a great wrestler it's the hybrid two isn't it is that the name the hybrid two yeah yeah i have no idea but um like them and the dark order together work surprisingly well like there was all kind of things su looked great even in defeat because they like did a bunch of really cool shit um shima was there <laughs> that's really all that's really it for him i really liked it mostly for the heels and then the main event was like Wrestle, no, not even above WrestleMania, because WrestleMania doesn't have quality matches. This was Wrestle Kingdom quality match that I watched for free on my fucking phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah this was, this was, I hold this on the same level that I hold the, the, uh, Omega Chris Jericho, like, hardcore match for the US title from like two years ago. Yeah. That is that was the same level of like, holy shit, man, I'm somebody's gonna die. <laughs> like, I know that people talk shit about it from time to time, but I'm hoping that that one is one that gets a star rating from Meltzer. Yeah. Because like, holy shit. I, I was watching uh, it before I had to leave the the house earlier today. And I did not want to leave. Yeah. Let me put it this way. Dylan's talking about, like, dropping everything. Dylan, before the show goes, it's a 25-minute match, but watch it. Just start it. And then at one point, Blake texts and goes, I'm at the apartment, y'all. Um, I'll be up in a few seconds, and then we can record. And I was like, take your time. Trip on the way up the stairs if you have to. Please. I'm only 15 minutes in. It's so... It picked up too. There was no, there was no dead space. There was like tons of incredible spots. Everybody looked good in that. Commentary, commentary was amazing. I haven't loved Jr. this much since the two thousands. Yeah, like I was fucking ecstatic about every part of that. Excalibur's amazing. Like just, just everything about this. Com- I know it's just the first month. I know it's too soon to draw. Re- like I have hope, I have hope for the first time in a long, long time. Yeah, which is something. Yeah, you don't have a, because I was just thinking about this. I'm amazed at how happy we've been during this entire episode because of how little we've talked about the shitty WWE. We talked about NWA power more than we talked about WWE. Yeah, because we actually wanted to go to a taping of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And um, I think. The other thing was, so did you see the segment where Cody and uh, and Girl Hebner fucking buried WWE? No, what? No. He he interviews her, and he and he's talking about uh he he holds a segment called Undesirable uh and and Undeniable. And he talks to her. I don't know if it's gonna be a reoccurring thing, but that'd be cool. Uh, I talked to somebody about like the point where they felt the most undesirable in their career and the point where they felt like most undeniable, like the highest point. And uh, she talked about, because this is true, she was a referee for the May Young Classic, I think the second. Yes, she was. And like they brought her in for a bunch of things and she was like, holy shit, like 
Like this is, this is, I can maybe actually do this as a full-time thing because her first thing was like, I took this for fun and the road trips, man. I was just like, this, this is how I can travel. Uh, but that was like her thing. And then they were like, we're not interested. And they didn't tell me, they didn't tell me why. And he's like, Cody was like, yeah, you seem like a kind of person that would always ask like, why, what can you improve? And that's not a place where they'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, holy shit, dude, put the blowtorch down. <laughs> uh, these burns. And like, and like. Especially because she just didn't come back after that. And like, she's great. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. Literally, like, everybody. Like, they whiffed so hard on that talent acquisition. Because, cause like, especially because I think Jericho, like, demanded that she was the ref for the title match. Oh, dude, one of the most iconic pictures to, or AEW has produced so far is still fucking Girl Hebner after doing a two count, just full on legging down in, like, a paint me like one of your French girls pose as she's like, two. Oh my god, she is my favorite part of that title match. She is! The bit where she doesn't take shit from Chris Jericho, that's amazing. <laughs> my yeah. favorite was, I think, uh, someone She's on- just like, I'm still the ref, I will disqualify your 50-year-old ass. Yeah. I uh, still like someone on... Uh, I think it was Reddit pointed out that she like they were like you went from the audience to in the ring for the main event because they showed a picture of her during Daniel Bryan's retirement crying at ringside and I was like oh fuck yeah that's her and then she went on to like be the first female to main event a fucking world title match as the ref I fucking love girl girl Hebner baby face of the week (laughs) permanent Forever. Except except none of us can remember her actual name. Aubrey Edwards, fuck you. <laughs> there we go. So, oh. uh, yeah, we... Now we get to the bad stuff. I was about to say, Blake, you, you said we didn't have to talk about WWE a lot, but now let's get into the heels of the week. And uh, I know, I already know Dylan wants to talk about the draft, but I want to talk about one specific aspect of the draft that, that I did not realize until earlier today. And it is that three individuals... You did just step on Dylan's whole heel of the week there, huh? No, 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 no. I'm just letting... People will know that. It's about the draft. But there were three specific individuals left off the draft because they have nothing for them right now. And I know you're thinking maybe Ryder and Hawkins, perhaps. Maybe some shitty, like, mid-carter that you never see. The Usos and Naomi. WWE has fucked themselves so hard in the barrel that they have nothing for probably the greatest tag team in their organization right fucking now. I don't give a fuck about the DUIs. I know they're not the best, but holy shit. How do you not have anything for the Usos or Naomi? Yeah, that's Bots hard. does care about the DUIs. <laughs> yeah, they. Do, I. I. I was about to say they probably do in the point that they're distance, especially with all the stuff that's been going on with Jeff Hardy recently. Um, which, yeah, we have not talked about, and I don't really want to get into right now since we've got so little time left. But like. I can understand that on a level, but to lump Naomi in with all that is pretty shitty. Draft him to Raw, then. Raw's never gave a fuck about that. 
Yeah, Paul Heyman don't give a fuck. Paul Heyman don't give a fuck? I've seen the ECW documentary. Raw's gonna potentially be awesome. It's not. There's gonna be a bunch of, like, fucking cheating and, like, horrible angles. People, It's gonna be terrible. I don't, I don't blame Paul Heyman, but I'm just like, Paul... I blame you. Paul is going to bring back everything that was good and bad about the Attitude Era. So let's just get that out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so let's talk about the worst draft that I've ever seen <laughs> for any sport or entertainment This industry. is the worst draft I've ever seen. I would have I would have derailed the shit out of that. I would have gotten myself over so hard. So let's let's talk about let's talk about this whole this whole thing. Uh, and I used a reference earlier. There's a great King of the Hill meme where he's where he's talking about Christian rock. He's like, "You're not making religion better. You're not making Christianity better. You're making rock rock and roll worse." And the and the the raw draft was you're not making pro wrestling any better. You're making drafts worse because they were because who who did they show during this? Two rooms of board executive. Ooh, I'm so excited for these suits I've never seen before. One of whom had an inexplicable fucking robot mixed in with it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> That was who we got to see. We didn't get to see any of the people being drafted. It wasn't like in the 2000s with the draft where, like, there was a locker room full of people on each show. And, like, it was like, oh, God, where are we going? Like, what's happening? No, no, no. We just got to see these fucking white meat suits react about these shit. The most hilarious one was when freaking, I think it was USA, got super excited about the fact they they drafted Natalia. Natalia. That was so good. The fucking most hilarious thing ever. So that was the first. Those are the first two problems. Is the personnel? I, I would like to in- say real quick though. One of my favorite like clips that I've ever seen is Triple H reacting to getting drafted to SmackDown. Oh, it is. Uh, they, they traded like three people to it back for it too. It's the best. Yeah. Anyway, so that was the first problem. Uh, the second problem is just like how the draft ended up. It's like Scotty believes that that SmackDown won out. And maybe in terms of, like, potential talent, maybe. But in terms of actual star power, like, I think the best post I saw was Paul Heyman got his guys and SmackDown got the leftovers. Yeah. And that's really what happened. I think someone even said that. Yeah. So, like, that's... Like that that's that's also terrible. They used it to screw over, hey, we just got this big deal with Fox, let's give them no one. Ugh. Like, way to way to literally not even bite the hands that feed you. Way to shit into the hand that feeds you. Good job, WWE. So proud of you. Like, Jesus, everything about this was terrible. The setup was terrible. Like, the audience didn't care because they weren't a fucking part of it. They 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 got taken completely out of the process. Like, the picks didn't even happen out on stage. It was the worst possible way you could do it. And they probably came away thinking it was great. And, like, that draft was everything that's wrong with the WWE and, like, a painful fucking five hours and then some other shit that happened. There was other picks that didn't even happen on screen. Also, Also, today, they realized that they fucked over the women's division on SmackDown so bad that they reversed a pick to give Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross back to SmackDown. That's 
how terrible this is. They lost track of the fucking rosters for the drafts. I am beyond words levels of disappointed in this. Like a fucking monkey could have made a better draft than this. Could have randomly picked names and thrown them at fucking... I would have accepted that more. That would have made more sense. You can draft people as a fucking tag team. That's fucking stupid. Like, no, you draft individual people. Them getting broken up is part of what creates great things. JBL became a good, like, a better personality because he lost Farouk. Yeah. I mean, they they even talked about it. They were teasing, like, tag teams will be drafted unless they wish to separate a tag team. Not a single tag team was separated with the exception of, and I don't know if you would count this, Carmella and R-Truth. That was the only, that was the big separation that happened thanks to the draft. That's because, uh, that's because USA wanted the 24-7 title and Carmella's dating Corey Graves. <laughs> And they need someone else in the SmackDown Women's Division. Like, period. Because they took both the Kabuki Warriors. Yeah. And I feel like Raw probably does the best with the 24-7 championship because it's such a long show. You need bullshit like that to mix it up. Whereas SmackDown, is, it's a tight two hours. So it's a little bit, it doesn't need it as much. I really was hoping that the OC would stay on SmackDown so it could continue to be the house that AJ Styles built. Yeah. God. I wanted, I wanted Nakamura on Raw. I wanted the OC on SmackDown. Because I wanted Nakamura and say... Also, Kevin Owens got drafted in the third round, which if they don't play that in for anything, is just insulting the fans. Well, apparently this point, he just, was very... Fear- I don't know if this was in character, but he was upset that he got drafted off of SmackDown two weeks after he saved SmackDown from fucking Shane McMahon. I know, and that was a good fucking moment, too. Yeah. Yep. WWE wasted it. What a surprise. That's only time number. Hold on, let me pull out my list. Uh, 1,234. The Flying Credenza. 1,275. The Nuggle Buster. Arm bar. So, Blake, what's your heel of the week? And I know it's the exact same as mine. Yeah, I was about to ask, do you want to just tag team this one? Because... yeah. Like, like usual, we work best in tandem, so let's start this whole shit. Okay. In general. I'll say a word, you say a word. R. Truth. (laughs) Damn it, I messed it up again. Can we take it from the top? Yeah. This is a kid. Sad. The heel of Rollins is a fucking butt. Yeah. Um, Seth's whole fucking character arc since since he won the Universal title, basically, has been so dog shit to the fact that people have been pointing out, like, you know what? I think this is worse than the time that Roman Reigns was given everything, period. Yep, it is. I'm pretty sure it is. And that's amazing, seeing as at the beginning of this year, I was rooting for Seth more than almost anything. Oh, yeah, easily. 
Like, I was so happy because I remember the first time I ever saw Seth was at a live show in Birmingham. He was one of, like, NXT's fun call-ups that he got to go on a house show show loop. He came out to the ring. I looked at my dad and I said, that man will one day be the biggest babyface in the entire WWE. And then this year I was like, I did it! He is! Oh, no. And then the monkey's paw shriveled up. Which is amazing because he went from, for a time, being one of the best heels I'd seen doing his own damn thing and being lovely during the whole entire time. Like, being everything I wanted in a heel. And even even him going into beating, like, Triple H, his whole turnaround with Ambrose, like, all of that shit was good. Then he won the title. Yeah. Then he became... The stale baby face that WWE wants to book as the stale baby face. Seth Rollins, maybe John Cena could pull that off for 10 years. Not many others could. And Seth is showing the fact that he cannot because it is so bad because you can see every promo that he does that has been written for him beforehand and that he's just reading off because it's doesn't resonate with him, it's not true to his character, or what the fuck ever. You can just tell that it's not real, and that it sucks. Hey, Blake. Blake, are are you excited for him to to successfully defend his title at Crown Jewels? Hey, Dylan. Hey, Dylan. Eat a dick. Were you excited for him to go fiend hunting? Okay, so, Scotty, you can go into your thing now, because I know it's more specific. Fuck! (laughs) Some dumb-ass shit. Because, here's the thing, when Seth Rollins looks in the camera and goes, I'm gonna go fiend hunting tonight, I expect multiple backstage segments of Seth like, well, you remember those couple of weeks when they didn't have funhouse segments? They just hid the puppets in the back. I wanted mm-hmm. segments of that of Seth finding the puppets and being like, "What?" and then like following the trail. And then hey, they kept hey, being hey, like, "Scotty, hey Scotty, Scotty, W has a has a message for you. It's uh, it's go fuck yourself." <laughs> Look, I'm aware. They because the best they did this story better on a smackdown episode that i only remember because it was so good when the shield was like running roughshod through the entire roster looking for some yeah i don't even remember what the yeah, song yeah. is and, and 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 he just and he just stares down Heath slater while the rest of 3mbs getting the shit kicked out of him yeah um so there's none of that instead they keep teasing firefly funhouse is going to be tonight and it keeps happening and it, then it's clearly going to be the last literal four minutes of raw and that's when i went oh no oh no oh no because Bray Oh no he didn't. Because Bray then has a very fun time on Firefly Funhouse and it's all good and then Seth comes out like he's not paid attention to Firefly Funhouse at all and starts assaulting Bray Wyatt who at this point can only be described as a mentally disabled person. He is a man with multiple personalities, but it's clear that when he's in the fun house, he is a calm... It's like Split. (laughs) Bray Wyatt is like Split. And if he's not in fiend mode, you need to try to talk to him 
and put him in a hospital. That's not what Seth did. Seth beat up the mentally deficient person and fucked him up. And then at one point, like, Bray even goes like, Seth! And I was like, oh, are they going to do, like, a fiend transformation? No, instead, he literally looks him in his eyes and goes, why are you doing this to me? And the most genuine... A genuine read I have ever heard in WWE television and Seth instead of being like I've become the monster oh no he just keeps fucking him up and then takes the one thing the only thing that I've watched wrestling for WWE specifically wrestling for in the past six months and sets it on fire while being like, I burned it down. And then, (sighs) the next day, this oily-haired fuck had the audacity to tweet out, what choice did I have? To not fucking set the set on fire, Seth! It wasn't like the fiend was getting his special powers from the Mr. Rogers set. If anything, he was getting his special powers. They were limited by the Mr. Rogers set. That was containing him and his power. Now you've unleashed a monster upon a world of maniacs. And he's going to start murdering Seth. You have now led to the mass massacre of several people in Saudi Arabia events. Wait, shit, sorry. What you're saying is, like, I don't know if anyone's seen the end of the first Ring movie, (laughs) but he did that. He did that. So so basically what you're saying is he's going to beat The Fiend by roll-up in Saudi Arabia, and then The Fiend's going to go to SmackDown and then also do nothing because that's where Brock Lesnar is. So, um... They once again, so they once again ruined a perfectly good opportunity. Sorry, 1,266. My apologies. I wanted to make sure I was keeping that up to date. Especially because, like, it's confirmed that's, that Fox didn't want the Funhouse shit, which is... Great! Then why didn't they just keep it on fucking USA? Yeah, utterly idiotic to me in the first place, Fox. I, I know you're all listening to this podcast. Wouldn't you love, though, if he does face Brock? And literally no sells everything and pins Brock Lesnar. It won't happen. It won't happen. But would you not love a bunch of no selling from the fiend to like three F5s in a row as Brock is like, I don't here, take the title. Fuck, I don't know what to do at this point. They ruined Kofi for me. Fuck them. Yeah. Fuck the whole company. We're gonna st- I'll, I'll support power before I support anything that WWE is doing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe NXT, but even the... No. Well, hold on. Specifically no. Keith Lee and Dominic no. Dijakovic matches. That's the only thing I'll support of theirs. And they made Leo Rush champion. <laughs> <laughs> out of, out of nowhere. Line. Over Drew Gulak on like, a, on like a TV. On like a TV taping, too. Like, I know they're trying to keep ratings up by having title changes every time. But like, hey, I'm, I'm mad at them for relegating the the cruiserweight title to NXT instead of having it actually defended on Raw and SmackDown like they should have for fucking months. Yeah. And then, like, it's just everything. Just everything they're doing. The change to, like, fucking freaking live format I don't think is working for NXT because they can't keep that level of, of like, engagement up. 
because they don't have the roster because it's a developmental roster. They lost the Street Profits. They're going to lose Undisputed Era before the end of the year. I'm calling, for the before, I'm calling it before sub, su, or, uh, Survivor Series. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll lose it. Like, there's nothing. Who are they going to keep? Freaking Johnny Gargano and Ciampa. That's it. They'll have two solid people. Maybe Dream. I feel like Dream's not long for NXT either. Do you guys remember a few months ago when I was like, wow, they're really not fucking up the Firefly Funhouse? I, I think they might actually do it. They might do something amazing with this. And I feel like they invested so much goodwill that they were like, oh, we can fuck it even harder now. We can destroy it a lot worse. We raised them, we raised them way, way up. Now when we butt fuck them from the air, it'll, it'll, it'll penetrate even farther. they land into the earth like fucking Yamcha. Yeah. This summer, two men save the world. From who you ask? Everything invading robo penises. This show is not about those two men. <laughs> this show's just a load of BS. The show where Blake Tanner and Scotty Moore make up dumbass movies like that. We're your personal think tank. We're your two white guys, which fills the quota for mm-hmm. a podcast, I think. And we're just going to be here to have a good time and talk about sauerkraut. That's right. Except no substitutes, ladies and gentlemen, because this is that pure, uncut BS. (laughs) Good, good uncut. So, guys, we talked about AEW and NWA and New Japan and definitely not a fourth company that I... I'll be honest, it's probably going to become less and less every week at this point. But I want to talk about... I need more companies. I need more companies to come along. We need to start talking about, like, MLW. (laughs) Honestly, we should start talking about Impact, because their shit's been good. We start responding to other podcasts. We're just like, did y'all see Brian Alvarez lose his shit over the Hell in a Cell match? Which was a great thing if you haven't watched it. Yes. But I want to talk about my favorite professional wrestling organization, and that's the JWF. So why don't we turn things over to Captain Tibbs and Silver Spoon for another episode of JWF Monday Night War. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to JWF Monday Night War. I am your host, Silver Spoon, joined as always by a man who's been known to cross the line. It's Captain Tibbs. Silver, I take offense to that. I've never crossed the line in my life. Well, you better get used to it because our pay-per-view in just a few months, or just a few weeks, pardon me, is going to be JWF crossing the line for just once this year. JWF is going to cross over with the JXT, our developmental territory. We could see dream matches people have never fathomed before. Tibbs, I think it's an amazing idea. You know, Silves, who would have ever thought those random emails I was sending out to that small territory in the middle of nowhere would have borne fruit. That's right, Tim. But of course, last week, you told the JXT superstars that this week they needed to be lined up. They needed to be ready. 
because our champions were going to come out to this ring and hand pick their opponents for crossing the line, which leads me to this man, the JWF World Heavyweight Champion Momoa Curry. He survived a hellacious match at heck in a sec against his brother, the Leviathan, and he's in the ring right now. And Tibbs, I got to know, who do you think he's going for? I don't know, Sills. There's a lot of great talent over in JXT. Ah. Alright, we just gotta see who the god of the JWF wants to face. Alright, well let's hear what Momoa's gotta say. I've spent the last week just going over the tapes of JXT. I've spent hours perusing each and every one of their superstars, and I know that any match against any of those men would be an instant classic, a dream match if any of them were to face me at crossing the line. Which is why I know this decision is important, and believe me, it is not a decision I'm taking lightly. But at crossing the line, I want to face a man who has proven himself in JXT, not just in the ring, but outside of it. A man who has climbed to the top of the mountain and flourished. A man who knows what it means to be a champion. And that's why... Oh, come now, Momoa. Oh, come on. You know I didn't need no introduction. All you had to say was, Houston Longhorn, come on down. We didn't need all the hubbub and pleasantries. Everyone here knows that the only logical match at crossing the line would to be seeing the JWF champion here face off against the JXT champion. And that's me, Houston Longhorn. Well, you know something, Houston? You're right. It does make logical sense for us to face off the top dog in the JWF taking on the JXT champion. But you see, there's just one problem with that. You see, when I choose an opponent, I choose someone who I think could actually beat me. And Houston, I know you're certainly proud of yourself, got that belt around your waist, but the sheer fact of the matter is, you got lucky. I watched the match, I saw everything go down, and I've seen how you've weaseled your way out of just about every title defense you've had. You don't know what you're doing, do you? Bet you slithered in that ring that night, didn't expect to win, and then somehow, by the grace of the gods, you did. But you don't know how to be a champion, don't know how to be a fighter. But my opponent at crossing the line, he knows how to fight. He knows how to be a champion. And he's someone that I know you'd be scared shitless to face in this ring. But, Tibbs, who is it? Oh, you're gonna love it, Sills. Jabba, Jabba, Oh my God, Tim's! It's the Jabba Duck, the former JXT champion, former JXT BS champion. He has been a dominant superstar in JXT, and he is coming down to the ring, and he's shaking hands with Momoa. Tim's, our first match is decided, and it looks like Momoa Curry is going to be facing the Jebeduk. This is astounding. The crowd is going wild. I love that Jebeduk. His top hat, creepy motherfucker. That's right, but wait a minute. 
Houston, Houston Longhorn from behind trying to sneak attack the champion, but he ducks and Jeb's got him. Jeb's grabbed him by the neck for the Duke of Whirl. Absolutely planting Houston Longhorn in the center of the ring. But Tibbs, I think, I don't think the night's over for old Houston because Momoa's back in the corner. He's going to that place and he nails it. The fisherman spear in the center of the ring taking out Houston Longhorn. And Tibbs, let me tell you something. I absolutely can't wait to see what happens when Javaduk takes on our champion at crossing the line. It's going to be amazing. <clears throat> Couldn't have done it better myself, Silves. Look at those two in the ring. Oh, that's going to be a fight for the ages. That's right, Tibbs. But of course, we know Jabaduk isn't the only JXT superstar we've got here tonight. In fact, backstage, we've got two of the most dominant men in the entire JXT roster. And it is their JXT Tag Team Champions, the team of Falcor and Zeus, the men known as Gods on Parade. And we've sent a top interviewer to get a word. Let's have a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, Dad the Dad McDonald backstage with the two men that comprise the JXT Tag Team Champions, Falcor and Zeus, the team known as Gods on Parade. Now, gentlemen, you two have been, well, relatively unstoppable in the tag division of JXT, but now you're on the main roster, which means not only could you have JXT superstars vying for that title, but also some of the best tag teams around. And of course, I am talking about the ones that can be found in the JWF locker room. I gotta know, does this, does the thought of having these many men, these many eyes on your title, does that scare you? Uh, yeah, 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 no, no, it doesn't, little McDonald. It, it, you, you look at me, I, I am Falcor. I'm a freaking dragon, man. I, I don't know if you've noticed, I've got the wings, I've got the horns, I'm, I'm a dragon, my skin is purple, okay? Zeus, Zeus is a god. There's nothing that will scare us when we are in the ring, whether it be the JXT or the JWF, it does not matter. We are undefeated in title matches. So you throw whoever you want at us, and we will defeat them? Oh, the dynasty? <laughs> They're nothing. We will destroy them. The Canadian crew, we will conquer the Canadia. And the VWO, who are those guys wait, even? Wait, I hate to oh. interrupt you, but, um... Oh, it's just standing right behind me, I'd say. No, no, Falcor, Falcor, the dragon man, go, please continue. We are listening. Uh, we were just curious to hear what you had to say about our family, you know, what you had to say about the VWO, because, believe me, we're fine hearing you talk about the Canadian crew. We didn't even help you beat the living hell out of the dynasty. But once, once the VWO's name gets in your mouth, it's gonna leave a bad taste in mine. Believe me, we've been through everything that you've been through. We've been in the exact same point that you are before. Oh, we were young hotshots that were undefeated with these belts around our waists, feeling like we were at the top of the world and everything was ours to own. But eventually reality came crashing down around us and we realized that 
if we want it to be great, if we want it to be the best, we'd have to actually fight for it. So how about next week, you and your little partner there grab those tag belts and come down to the ring and the VWO will show you what it means to be the best in this business, baby. Well, Tim's it looks like looks like the VWO don't want to wait till crossing the line. They want to face off against Gods on Parade next week for the JXT Tag Team Championships. Tim's this is amazing. I'm looking forward to it, Sills. That's an actual dragon. That's all right, Tibbs. Of course, I mean, I know the JWF fans, they may not be familiar with the team of Falcor the Stoppable, this massive dragon who moves like a cruiserweight. His tag team partner, Zeus Hellman, a man who was able to snap your neck with the same force that it would take us to pick up a remote control. Tibbs, I mean, God's on parade. When we say they are dominant, we ain't joking around. They have never lost a title match, Sills. They are everything that you'd want in a champion. That's right, Tibbs, but speaking of champions, earlier tonight we had the JWF champion come out and challenge the Jebeduk, but right now we have got our JWF captains champion and the JWF tag team champions, the team of the dynasty in the ring, and, and Tibbs, do you think they took the same approach as Momoa Curry when it came to selecting their opponents? Do you think, do you think they honestly thought it over? You know, Sills, I don't, I can't have a handle on the dynasty anymore nowadays. They've, they've changed so much from what they were. I, I, I really don't know what they're thinking. Well, Tibbs, why don't we go down to the ring and see who the dynasty have handpicked as their opponents for crossing the line. So, <laughs> earlier tonight, Momoa Curry, he came out here and he whined. And he complained about just how hard it was to pick an opponent for the pay-per-view. Talked about going through hours and hours of tape just trying to see who would be the best fit to face him in this ring. Who was worthy enough to face the god of the JWF. But, you know, that's the difference between Momoa Curry and the Dynasty. Because we weren't going to waste our time with something like that because the honest truth is no one is worthy enough to face us. No one's earned an opportunity to face us. The only people that are going to stare across from us in this ring are just unlucky enough to face us. So <laughs> I'll be honest with y'all. We decided we didn't want to choose someone worthy enough to face us. We wanted to choose someone that we knew would be fun to bash across this ring for a couple minutes till they ran up that ramp and out of the world of pro wrestling for good. Which is why we as the Dynasty would like to invite just one man out to this ring. Just one man. And it's that motherfucker Gazi. Tips, I... I'll be honest, Gazi, not, not many people are a fan of Gazi and JXT, but it, it's shocking to see the Dynasty go targeting him. What do you think? I don't know, Sills. He's a tiny boy with a knife hand. How could you hate that? That's right, and Gazi looking more than confused. I, I think he was expecting a three-man team to be coming out. The, perhaps they could call out the War Wizards or something to that effect. I don't know what's going through Gazi's mind, and... 
Well, as he gets in the ring, he looks like he has made a mistake because the dynasty has surrounded him like a pack of ravenous hyenas tips. Oh, this doesn't look good for Tiny Boy. Welcome to the ring, Gazi. Now, I'm sure that you have more than a few questions as to why you're out here today, and the truth is, I want to fight you. That's right, my boy, you won the lottery, because at crossing the line, you are going to be staring across the ring at three of the most handsome men in sports entertainment, the Dynasty. Wait, hold on, um... One, two, uh, yeah. See, there, there's just this one little problem. You see, there's gonna be three of us, like I said, and just, just one of you. But I'm sure you've got friends that can come help, right? I'm sure you've made some great friends in JXT. Uh, that green guy, you hang out with him for a while? Uh, no? Oh, come on, Gazi. I'll even give you the JWF roster. Anybody you want, buddy. Anybody can be on your team. Anyone can come and help you. Just like... Just like... Mm. Oh, no. It looks like Gazi between two completely different rosters, not a single person wants to come down to this ring and help you. And you see... That's why we picked you for crossing the line. That's why we picked you as our opponent, because we wanted to show to the entire world that you were just pathetic enough to... Oh my god, Tibbs! From out of nowhere, Gazi bashing Scotty Moore over the head with brass knuckles. Apparently he snuck those into the ring and is going to the work on the leader of the dynasty. But oh no, Blake and Dylan right in, pulling Gazi away. But the man is like a ravenous piranha, Tibbs. Yes! Beat him up, little man! That's right, but unfortunately now Blake and Dylan working over, working over Gazi in the corner, but Tibbs! Tibbs, it's the music of Chuck, your son, the former partner of the Dylan, who's rushing out to the ring. Chuck, Tibbs just taking out the Dylan and whipping him into the steel steps at ringside, and Chuck has gone crazy, absolutely taking out the Lord of the Smart Side, Tibbs. I can't believe it, Sills. They get him, my boy. You know what you want. Fight him. That's right, but unfortunately now, Blake and Scotty back on their feet. Gauzy's down in the center of the ring. They're rushing out to save the Dylan from Chuck. Unfortunately, this numbers game, it just seems to be too much, but... Tibbs? Tibbs? Shut the fuck up, Sills! He's coming! He's coming! That's right, Tibbs, it's the Hammer Man! Blake Tanner's perennial rival rushing out to the ring and tackling Blake Tanner over with the Luthes press, raining fists down onto the shots of the skull of the bee. You've got Chuck taking out the Dylan. You've got the Hammer Man absolutely decimating Blake Tanner. And Tibbs, if I was Scotty Moore, I'd run right now. And if I'm Captain Tibbs, I'd be just up in my hands. I'd be screaming, 
Oh, this is the match I wanted to see. That's right. Scotty rushing back into the ring, just trying to avoid all this chaos on the outside, but he doesn't notice it right behind him. Gazi's back on his feet, and he nails it. The booster shot in the center of the ring, just spearing the leader of the dynasty to the earth. And Tibbs, it looks like Gazi. Gazi's not pathetic. He's not alone, and he has a team in the form of Chuck. Tibbs and the Hammer Man. And Tibbs, I know you couldn't be happy. Oh, Sills, I need a fan. Oh, and a cigarette. That's right, Tibbs. Of course, a big fan of the Hammer Man. Seeing him team up with your son alongside one of the biggest prospects in JXT wrestling history. Let me tell you something. When these three collide with the Dynasty, it's going to be amazing at crossing the line. It's going to happen at the end of this month. But also, Tibbs, like we announced earlier tonight, we are going to see Momoa Curry take on the Jebedo. It's a match we've seen before on JXT or JWF War. But who knows what's going to happen when these two are g pulling out all the stops in the main event of a pay-per-view. I can't wait, Sills, just to see these two amazing competitors. That's right, Tibbs. But in order to find out what happens next, in order to see what happens when the VWO face off against Gods on Parade, you're going to have to tune in next time to JWF Monday Night War. So, Blakey T, it has been an episode. What did you learn this week? I learned that there's a world outside of what we've been doing for the last six months of being sad and angry wrestle boys. And we can talk about things that make us happy. And I learned that whenever, I guess this is a little bit of tease for the future, whenever JWF splits apart and becomes its own show, apparently Fight Boys is going to still be able to run a fucking hour, because holy shit. Yep. As long as good shit keeps happening. As long as good shit keeps happening and WWE keeps fucking up, we'll be good. So Dylan can be found on Twitter at Dick and Stormy Blake. Where can they find you? You can find me at Blake A. Tanner on the Twitter. You can find me at the Darkroom Vidya on YouTube. You can find me here doing all the great podcasts that we do together. And, and you paid for this. <laughs> well, that's that's directly to Ghazi. Yes, Ghazi did pay for this. And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. Buy all my books on Amazon and go to a load of purebs.com to check out all the other BS network programs from fun fiction to me again to all of the awesome shit we've got going on. Special thanks to Megaran for our theme song, The Fighters. It's just called Fighters, isn't it? It is just called Fighters. That's what I thought. Uh, but listen to Megaran. He's great. Friend of the podcast. Real good dude overall. Yeah, last night he, just... he uh, posted something on Instagram, and it was like, tell me your favorite Megaran song, but only in emojis. So I sent three firefighters, and then minus fire, and I confused the fuck out of him. And he's like, I thought you meant man, because it was like, fireman minus fire. And I'm like, no, I'm not sexist. Fuck you, Megaran. <laughs> uh, also, we talked about Jericho's boat. I don't think we've talked about the fact that Megaran's going to be on a boat. Because Megaran's going to be on the Joko cruise next year, and I'm super pissed I can't go. That's going to be so great. I wish I had more money. <laughs> 
patreon.com slash a load of BS. But of course, until next time, you can find us at a load of Step up to the merch table at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. Find us on Facebook, donate to the Patreon, subscribe on YouTube, and remember to let us on the fucking boat, Chris. Because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life! <laughs>